0: Hi, I'm Edward Sree, and welcome to All Things Catholic, where real faith meets real life. I love this week of Advent because the Catholic Church celebrates the great solemnity of Mary's Immaculate Conception. But I want to raise some tough questions about this dogma. I mean, if Mary was immaculately conceived, is she really human? Is she really one of us? I mean, she had no sin in her, so is she really human? And if she doesn't have the stain of original sin, did she even need to be saved? Did she need Jesus to die for her on the cross, or is redemption not really applied to her? And if Mary never sinned all throughout her life, she remained faithful. Did she even have free will? Did Mary really have freedom? And most of all, how can I relate to her? I mean, Mary is perfect. And she is sinless. She never sinned. I sin several times every day. How can I relate to her? And she's so perfect. And I know how many imperfections I have and how far from holiness I am. How can I really relate to this woman? Here's one more. I mean, maybe you've wondered about this. Well, don't we receive grace at, at baptism? I mean, we receive sanctifying grace at baptism, and then we continue to receive grace in the sacraments, especially receiving Jesus in the Eucharist. How come we're not made holy and perfect like Mary? Maybe you've had some of these questions. Well, that's what I want to talk about in this week's podcast, Mary's Immaculate Conception and her humanity. Well, welcome To the All Things Catholic Podcast, I'm your host, Edward Sri, and as always, a big welcome to any new listeners. But this week, I know there are many new listeners joining us for the first time, because in this past week, for the first Week of Advent. I have done so many small group gatherings, you know, these online events where I visit a small group. And so I know a lot of you are joining us here for the first time. Thank you for checking out the show. I want to give a warm welcome and a thanks to the different groups I met with this last week, like the Curcio Group in Los Angeles, the Bible Study Group in Lake Tahoe, the Women's Bible Study Group in Portland, and the Young Adult Group in Spartanburg, South Carolina. I also want to give a shout out to the parish in St. Boniface, Wallahalla, North Dakota, Walhalla, North Dakota, and Monmouth University. Pray for the students at Monmouth University in New Jersey. They're getting ready for their final exams. It was a blessing to be with them this last week as well. I want to pray for the parish group at St. Thomas the Apostle Parish in Knoxville, Tennessee. And finally... Uh, a big thank you to the hundreds of couples I was able to be with uh, for the marriage enrichment program in Singapore, all the way around the world. Uh, I was getting up early in the morning. It was evening their time uh, to meet with them. What a blessing it's been to accompany them for uh, the last several months. We've been doing this marriage enrichment program together, and I'm so thankful for all of their their amazing questions, their desire to have strong marriages, but their honest, humble, humble, questions about the real struggles of marriage. Marriage is really hard. Family life is really hard. And uh, I learned a lot from our conversations uh, over the last couple of months. So we just finished our final session. So thank you all so much for that as well. Uh, If you have a small group, a Bible study group, a men's, women's group, a couple's group, and you'd like me to visit online in 2021, we've opened up 2021, you can reach me at edwardsri.com, that's edwardsri.com, to to learn more information about those small groups, or you can email me directly at events.edwardsri at gmail.com, that's events.edwardsri at gmail.com. Now, let's turn to the Immaculate Conception. And briefly, I want to review just the dogma, just to have that in the back of our mind. I got four quick points I want us to make sure uh, we, we know about this dogma. First... Mary was conceived full of grace in her own mother's womb. She was immune from all stain of original sin. She was redeemed from the moment of her conception. Secondly, why is this the case? This wasn't just because Mary was so special. She didn't earn this by her own uh, kind of spiritual talent, spiritual ability. No, God gave this to her as a gift to prepare her for her role as the mother of the Holy Son of God. You see, the dogma of the Immaculate Conception is there to point to Jesus, to help us understand who Jesus is. Jesus is not any ordinary child. He's the all-holy, eternal Son of God who's taking on human flesh in Mary's womb. And so it's fitting that God would prepare Mary to be a spotless tabernacle, a, a holy temple to house the presence of the Holy Son of God within her. Thirdly, is there any biblical support for this dogma? Now, uh, if you really want to get into the biblical background of the Immaculate Conception, check out the podcast I did in 2018, Is Mary's Immaculate Conception Biblical? I go in and out on this topic all in depth. I'm going to share with you just one little point here now, and that is the word that was spoken to Mary at the Annunciation. In Luke chapter 1, verse 28, the angel Gabriel said to Mary, Hail, full of grace, the Lord is with you. And this particular word for full of grace in the Greek, it's kekaritomine. Now, I'll put that in the show notes so you don't have to worry about trying to spell that now. Uh, and by the way, if you want the show notes, you can get those from my good friends at Ascension Press who produce this podcast. The show notes are for free. They'll come in your inbox every week and you get more background about the topics we discuss. You'll get quotes like this one I'm going to share with you now. Uh, and you can get that at ascensionpress.com slash all things Catholic. That's ascensionpress.com slash all things Catholic for the show notes. Now, uh, I'm going to share with you this quote, and this is From a book I wrote called Rethinking Mary in the New Testament. And I unpack the meaning of this word full of grace, the Greek word kakaritomene. So I want you to pay attention. Listen to the profound nature of this word. It just tells us something so beautiful about Mary. In fact, if I had to pick just one word in the Bible that I love the most about Mary, it would be this one, kakaritomene. So listen to it. The word in Greek is kakaritomene, which is related to the verb that means to grace or even to make graced. The particular form of this word describes an action that began in the past and continues to have its effects in the present. As such, kakaritomene could be translated, you who have been and continue to be graced. This indicates that Mary already had been graced by God sometime before the angel appeared to her. Gabriel thus refers not to a grace she is going to possess in the future, but a grace she already has received and continues to experience. So when the angel says to Mary, Hail, full of grace, he's not talking about some grace that she's about to receive. No, he's acknowledging that she already has this. That's what the word means. It describes an action in the past that continues to have its effects in the present. So it tells us long before Gabriel got there, Mary already has the life of grace. And in this particular word, Kikari Tomine also implies the idea of of the, the life of grace, the life of redemption is dwelling within her. Forgiveness of sin, she already has. She has the life of being a child of God. That's what this Beautiful word means so there is some scriptural support. It's not a proof text, but it does indicate the 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 nature of 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 Mary's soul already have been having been filled with grace before Gabriel got there. And one last point, a fourth point here, is that Mary never sinned. Not only did she receive this unique grace at the moment of her own conception in her own mother's womb, but she remained faithful to those graces. She remained free from every personal sin for her whole life long. So Mary never sinned. So there we go. Those are four quick points about the dogma of the Immaculate Conception. Now, let's tackle some of the tough questions I raised here. So first, if, if Mary didn't have original sin, did she need to be saved? I mean, does she need Christ's work of redemption? She, she doesn't have sin, so Jesus doesn't need to die for her, right? Wrong. That's not what the Catholic Church teaches. You know, Mary is dependent on Jesus's work of salvation. Just like the rest of us, we're all dependent on Christ's work of salvation. All of us, sons and daughters of Adam and Eve. It's just that Mary receives the gift of salvation in a unique way. Most of us enter this world. We enter this world with, you know, with the wound of original sin. And then Christ has to come and heal us at baptism. And then with the sacraments throughout the rest of our lives, but Mary enters this world preserved from original sin. She enters his life preserved. It's like my kids recently there was we had a snowstorm here in Denver and you know a day or two after the snowstorm is starting to warm up but there's still snow melting and it's really muddy outside and they can go run out into the backyard and play in all that mud and then they come inside and I'm going to have to clean them because <laughs> they're really dirty, <laughs> really muddy right now. Well, that's one way I could I could save them from the mud and the dirt that they've, <laughs> that, uh, that's in the backyard. But another, another way I could save them is just to preserve them from ever going into that mud. I could say, don't go out in the mud today. <laughs> don't go play out there. Um, in, in both cases, it's my involvement. You know, It's my involvement either cleaning them after they got muddied, or I, I can preserve them from ever going out into the mud. In both cases, they're dependent on me. Uh, so Mary needs salvation, She needs it just like the rest of us. It's just that she received the graces of salvation at the moment of her conception. Jesus died for her on the cross, rose in his resurrection to fill her with life. He did all that. And God, who's outside of time and space, can take that timeless moment of Christ's death and resurrection and apply it in advance in Mary's life. At the moment of her conception. So Mary did need to be saved. She just was saved in in a preserved way. She was saved before she ever got muddied, if you will, with sin. Now, did Mary have free will? Did she really have freedom? That's a second question we could look at here. Did she really have freedom? I mean she was the immaculate conception. She didn't have the wound of original sin. She didn't have concupiscence, that that tendency towards sin that we have. You know, We may know what we're supposed to do, but our will is weak and we have our passions driving all these different directions. Our emotions aren't always working for us. They're often working against us. Uh, Mary didn't have any of that. Mary was free from that. She had no original sin. She had grace and she remained faithful all throughout her life. So, did did she even have free will? Or is she like one of those, you know, pre-programmed, you know, saints, you know, like a, a robotic saint, just given this extraordinary grace and she's just forced to do what's good for God. She was forced to give her fiat because she was the Immaculate Conception. Is that what's going on here? Well, I want you to think about somebody else. Who else do we know was was, you know, their first breath? They did not have original sin. Who else do we know that... Uh, when, when they were first created, they did not have original sin. Besides Jesus, of course. Who else in the Bible? Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve originally didn't have original sin, right? They were created with integrity. They were created with ri- the original harmony with God, harmony with each other, harmony with creation, and harmony within their own souls. They, they were created f- with the original holiness, the life of God within them. Now, so they did not have the wound of original sin. They had this great gift of original holiness. But did they remain faithful to that gift? No. We know that they sinned. They listened to the temptation of the devil. They fell. They rejected that great gift. So you can be given a great gift, like Adam and Eve were given, and still have free will and freely choose to reject that gift. That's what Adam and Eve did. Mary was given a unique gift, an extraordinary singular privilege. Privilege. She was full of grace, no original sin. And that that made it... Uh, easier for her to to cooperate with God's will easier than us because we're fallen we have concupiscence but but that doesn't mean she doesn't have freedom she was given unique graces but she still had to cooperate with those graces moment by moment she had to cooperate with those graces step by step all throughout her life in her walk with God so yes mary was blessed in an extraordinary unique way But that doesn't mean she didn't have free will. She could choose to reject those blessings. Adam and Eve rejected their blessings. Mary didn't. Third point. If we receive grace at baptism, how come we're not so holy? (laughs) If we receive that life of God, sanctifying grace within us, uh, not just at baptism, but in the sacraments and prayer, and then especially we receive Jesus's body, blood, soul, and divinity every week in the Eucharist. How come none of us remain sinless like Mary? How come we're not just instantly perfected? I think that's, that's a great question. Um, you know, there's an analogy uh, I like to use here to express this. I call it my cup analogy. It's kind of like this. Uh, you know, God wanted to fill us with his life. Like, so picture our soul is like a, 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 an empty cup, but he, but he wanted to create us full of that. But Adam and Eve sinned and they lost the, the life of God that was in their cup. It's as if they poured out their cup. Uh, and so they lost that. So when they pass on human nature to all of us, they pass on an empty cup. We, 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 we have a, a cup that is empty, not full of God's life when we're born into this world and our cups are wounded <laughs> that's another thing it's like our cups have holes in them so uh think about mary mary though her cup was utterly unique so all the sons and daughters of adam and eve they enter in this world with empty cups they they that's what original sin is it's a privation it's a lack of something it's a lack of that grace that life of god that god wanted to give us so mary's cup is Full from the moment of her conception, she was created with a cup full of God's life. But she still had to cooperate with that gift. She could take the cup and pour it out if she wanted. Have you ever had a kid do that? kid ask you for something to drink, and then they they take the drink, but then they just pour it out. They don't want the drink anymore. They just dump it on the floor. (laughs) You ever see a kid do something like that? Well, Mary could have done that. She had free will. She could have received this gift and taken it and dumped it out. That's what Adam and Eve did. They dumped out the blessings God gave them. You know, you ever see a kid also carry their cup? It's full, you know, all the way to the brim. And then they just start running with the cup. <laughs> you know, they, they come inside and they want to get a drink and they start running to taking the drink outside. But what happens when they're running with a full cup? It spills. You know, they spill their cup and the water starts to leak out or fall out and, and they start crying and they make a mess. Well, Mary could have freely chosen to dump her, her gift of grace, her cup. She, but she chose to walk carefully, intentionally, step by step with God, so careful to cooperate with every gift, every grace, so careful not to do anything that would spill any of those graces. Mary's heart was so full of love, so grateful for those gift of graces within her soul. Well, we, we do receive grace at baptism. But I want us to think of our cups as not like Mary's cup. Mary had a a perfect cup. Our cup is wounded. (laughs) Maybe think of it as maybe having holes. You know, it doesn't hold the water as well. You know, or maybe it's just it's it's uh, the water can kind of seep through the walls of the cup, so it's not as 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 perfect of a cup because we're wounded that's what original sin does it we it wounds us we enter in this world not as we should have and that's just the reality we have to accept that we're, we don't enter in this world as perfect angels we're not we enter this world wounded all of us we 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 don't see the truth clearly and even if we see what's right we don't we don't have a strong will we often don't do what we're supposed to do even when we know we should and then our emotions are always, not always working for us. There are many times working against us, our passions and appetites are leading so many different directions. So our, our cups aren't, aren't, aren't perfect. So yes, we receive grace at baptism, but it's like we have holes in the cup where the water can seep through the walls of our cup. And, 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 you know, the more we cooperate with those graces, the more our, that grace begins to heal our cup. It heals those holes It makes the walls of the cup stronger. So the more we cooperate with God's grace, the more we seek God's grace. The more we seek to meet Him in prayer, the more we ask Him and beg Him for His grace. Do you do beg God for grace? You should. Beg him for grace to help you in, in your sins and all your struggles in life. Do you frequent the sacraments? Do you go to confession regularly? Do you visit Jesus in his holy presence in Eucharistic adoration? Do you receive him in holy communion as much as you can? We want those graces because the more we receive those graces and the more we cooperate with those graces, the more we're faithful to those graces, then the more our cups begin to be healed. And so, yes, we do receive these graces, but... Unlike Mary, our cups are wounded and they need to be healed over time. That's why we're not perfected right away. Now, the last thing I want to turn to is, can we relate to Mary? You know, Mary is extraordinary, but she's still human. She's still one of us. She had to walk in faith as a disciple. There's a lot we can learn from her. You know, she is very relatable. Just think about the joy she had in learning she was going to have a child you know, we can relate to that joy. We can relate to the joy that she had in her friendship with Elizabeth. We can relate to the uncertainty she experienced in life. There are many times she's not clear what's happening. The Bible even says in Luke chapter 2 that there's, there's times when Mary does not understand. I, I bet she understood better than anyone else because of her graces, but she still didn't understand perfectly. She couldn't, she couldn't see exactly what was happening. She had to walk by faith and not by sight. You know, there are moments of fear, the Bible tells us. Mary experienced fear. We know that right there in Luke chapter 1, verses 29 and 30. She was greatly troubled. The angel has to say, do not be afraid. Do you experience fear? Think about Mary. Now, what Mary did with those fears is different than us because of our holes in our cups. We, you know, we let that that fear shake us up more and, and, and we spill our cup more, you know, whereas Mary she experienced fear but she didn't let that fear shake her cup she didn't let that fear pour out the grace she remained faithful she didn't let that fear control her so but 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 she still experienced fear she, she experienced moments of discernment moments of suffering profound suffering think of mary at the cross and and think about our own suffering so anytime You go through suffering or moments of darkness. You're wondering, where are you, God? Or moments of discernment. You're trying to figure out what's happening. Where is God leading? Moments where you sense God is calling you to give up control and to trust him more. Turn to Mary because she's been right there. You know, God, the father was leading Mary to love more, to trust more, to surrender more every step of her life. And Mary shows us the model of how to do that. So I think she's very relatable. She goes through what we do. It's just that she responds faithfully, whereas we often are shaken, hesitant, not willing to trust and say yes with our fiat, a full fiat of the heart. Lastly, I want to share with you one last thing about how we can relate to Mary's Immaculate Conception. And I've been thinking of this reading we had from Mass this this last Sunday, the second Sunday of Advent here. It's the first reading from the Old Testament from Isaiah chapter 40. This idea of a voice crying out in the wilderness. And it says, Every valley shall be exalted and every hill shall be made low. And and it's about this highway. A voice is going to cry out from the wilderness that God is coming. There's a highway coming through the wilderness that that it's all about. God is coming back to Jerusalem. He's coming back to Jerusalem and he's going to be with his people again. And he's eager for the people to, to encounter him. Well, this idea of every valley being exalted and every hill made low for many years, I wondered, what does that really mean? What's that all about? and you know i think about maybe it's i'm thinking about this more because i recently ran a 5k with my my family i mentioned this you know for for thanksgiving our, our, our kids have a tradition of going on a 5k run in the morning after mass and uh, they wanted Dad to go along this year, so I did. I, I admit I'm not a runner. I, I like running on a soccer field, you know, when you're you're chasing a ball and trying to score. I understand why people like to run and exert, or, or why when you're on a basketball court to try to make a basket. That makes sense to me. But there's these strange souls out there. They're just like running and just for no reason, just running, running, running. That's that, that's my family. My wife and kids. They're all amazing runners. I am not. <laughs> but this year I went along with the family and. You know, I have to tell you, the 5K, it was really hard, especially when there were those hills. When you're going up a hill, I was like, oh, I was dreading the hills. And then when there, I would go down into a little valley, going down was fun, but I was looking ahead and going, but the valley ends and you have to go back up a hill. I don't, I'd rather just keep going straight. I love the part where I could go for about 1K was just completely flat. That part was awesome. I love that part. <laughs> but the ups and the downs were hard. And it dawned on me, that's, that's what this prophecy is about, making this highway for our God so that every valley would be exalted, every hill made low. You know, what, what, what God is calling us, what, what John the Baptist, that voice in the desert is calling us, that, that voice prophesied by Isaiah, he's calling us to repent. And repentance is all about turning away from sin. It's about leveling those mountains, those hills shall be made low. The valleys shall be exalted. Why? Because when it's uh, when it's level, when it's a, a plain, you can go faster. And the image I like to think about, it's like, it's like think of like, you know, God is coming to Jerusalem. He's coming as king to the city. That's what the prophecy is about. And and there's this highway, you know, so that people can come and, and welcome him. And I, I like to think of it as, as Jerusalem's like our soul. And God wants to come and he loves you. Our bridegroom is running towards you. And he just wants to enter your soul He wants to fill your soul, but we have these obstacles that get in the way of God coming fully in. We have these valleys and we have these hills. Those are our sins. Those are our weaknesses. Those are our, our stubbornness, our pride, our lack of trust, (laughs) you know, and God wants to just level those things. That's what his grace does over time. It fills the valleys it exalts the valleys and, and makes the hills low so, that we, so you can have a, a, a flat super highway for our God. We want our bridegroom to come and enter into us, don't we? Jesus, your bridegroom, is running toward you this Advent season. He's running towards you. But you have hills and valleys, hills and valleys that, that make it a little harder for his grace to just flood, inundate your soul. You know, Mary, Mary was made without that broken cup. Mary was made with a perfect level plane, if you will, a a super highway for grace to constantly pour in and she kept cooperating with that grace. It's a sign. Mary's Immaculate Conception really is a sign of what God wants to do in all of us. He wants to heal all of us, right? He wants to level those mountains. He wants to fill those valleys so we can have that super highway and be filled with his grace. He wants to heal our broken cups, Mary's Immaculate Conception isn't just this dogma out here. No, no, no. It's a sign of what God wants to do in all of our souls. What God did in Mary in one instant at the moment of her, her conception is a sign of what God wants to do in all of us over time. We, we you know, so let, let's let's use this Advent season. Let's use the sacraments, let's let's level the mountains and fill those valleys in our soul. Allow God's grace to do that, to heal our broken cups so that God can over time do what he did in Mary in the Immaculate Conception. That's what this feast is all about. It's a reminder of what God wants to accomplish in in us, in healing us. He, he, He made Mary perfect in an instant. He wants to perfect us over time with that same grace. Let's be faithful to it. Let's run after it. Let's cooperate with those graces evermore so our cups can be healed. I hope this has been helpful for you, my friends. Thanks so much for listening. If you have any questions, you can always reach me at edwardsri.com. That's edwardsri.com. You can reach me on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. And if you want to learn more about those small groups inviting me in 2021, online small groups to visit your group or your parish or your school, you can reach me at events.edwardsri at gmail.com. That's events.edwardsri at gmail.com. God bless.